0: How to fund IUL to generate tax free income for life. I'll explain next on Three Dimensional Wealth Radio. This is Three Dimensional Wealth Radio with New York Times best selling author and your host, Doug Andrew. This is Doug Andrew speaking to you, our incredible national audience from our three-dimensional wealth studios nestled at the base of the majestic Rocky Mountains. This show is about empowering you, people, and organizations that want to optimize their assets, minimize taxes, and empower their authentic wealth. Well, folks, um, you are probably aware if you've listened to this show very much that I have an educational YouTube channel. It's free when you subscribe. And I post uh, a new educational video almost on a daily basis. And so, recently uh, I had the question, uh, how does an IUL... And if you don't know what that means, that's an indexed universal life insurance contract uh, generate tax-free income for life? Well, uh, you must make sure that you adhere to tax citations in the Internal Revenue Code. And these are acronyms uh, that actually stand for a long uh, tax citation. Actually, 3 that were passed back in the 1980s but they still apply to today. In 1982, uh, Congress passed under the Tax Equity Fiscal Responsibility Act. Uh, It spells the acronym TEFRA. And then 2 years later, they redefined it under the Deficit Reduction Act, which spells the acronym DEFRA. Uh, TEFRA and DEFRA are sort of like a corridor that dictates the minimum amount of insurance death benefit that must be attached to uh, an account like uh, an indexed universal life insurance contract which is my favorite vehicle to accumulate money tax-free and then be able to turn on tax-free income. In other words, you're using it for living benefits primarily not just for the death benefit. This was the brainchild of EF Hutton uh, back in 1980 when they realized that by having their clients' money out in a volatile stock market in a portfolio of mutual funds, trying to earn an average of let's say 12%, which most people do not average 12%. Dalbar, who studies investor behavior says, If you bought and held uh, your stocks and bonds and mutual funds and didn't panic when the market uh, starts to take a nosedive of 25 or 30%, uh, you should average around 9.14% uh, gross. If it's a tax-deferred IRA or 401k, that means you're going to net 6% after uh, taxes in a uh, 33% combined federal and state income tax bracket. So you'll probably average 9 and net 6 meaning a million-dollar nest egg uh, if you pull out 9% a year because you don't want to deplete principal. If you're earning 9%, that would be 90000 But you're going to have to shell out about 30000 in taxes and you're only going to net about 60000 to buy gas and groceries. That's what they mean. But Dalbar said the ugly truth is that most retirees with money in the market and yet to be taxed IRAs or 401Ks uh, they are not experiencing 9.14% average rates of return. They're only really earning an average of 3.49. And why is that? Because most retirees uh, they cannot afford to see their retirement nest eggs dwindle down in value 25, 30, 35% when the market takes those nosedives like that, which happens sometimes every you know five, seven, ten, twelve years. And I think we're on the verge of that again. It happened in 2001 to 2003. It happened in 2008. And it took 4 to 5 years for people to make back what they lost. And so, people can't afford to do that in retirement. They need to have a predictable income. And so, uh, that's why we strongly recommend that you do not have your money in yet to be taxed IRAs or 401Ks invested in the market because uh you know the average returns only three and a half percent, this is what precipitated the four percent rule in the financial services industry. Uh, Because people are only really averaging 3.5%, the broker-dealers only want the advisors to illustrate 4% payouts. That means if you accumulated a million bucks in a nest egg, they only want you to withdraw 40,000 a year. Uh, That's pretty pathetic to me. In fact, it's unacceptable. But uh, if you take out more than 4%, uh, you have to sign a waiver that you will not sue them for outliving your money. And so, that's called the 4% rule. But hello, you pull out 40,000 out of a million-dollar nest egg, it's taxable. Uh, Even in a 25% tax bracket, you're going to pay 10,000 of that 40,000 in tax and only net 30,000 to buy gas and groceries. Does that make sense? That's why it's unacceptable to me. Uh, I don't accumulate a million-dollar nest egg to have a measly uh, 3% net to live on uh, 30,000 a year. If you subtract... The 1% asset management fees that a lot of these asset managers charge on a million-dollar portfolio, Uh, that's another 10,000. If you subtract taxes and the fees from that payout, uh, you're getting 40,000 and netting 20,000 or 2%. That's ridiculous. That's why my favorite vehicle which is a max-funded indexed universal life insurance contract uh, many times will generate 8%, 9%, 10%. How much more is 8% than 4% and 8% is tax-free. But the 4%, like I said, is not uh, tax-free. It's only netting you 3 or 2. So how much better is 8 or 9 or 10 than getting a net of 3 or 2? What I'm talking about is oft times a triple, quadruple or even 5 times better in net spendable retirement income. So, when people say, well, how do you set one of these up? Well, you have to adhere to these IRS guidelines I was talking about at the beginning. Uh, TEFRA and DEFRA, you have to take the minimum amount of insurance the IRS requires so your money will accumulate tax-free under section 72E of the Internal Revenue Code which actually has been in the code in one form or another for over 108 years. Uh, If you want to access your money tax-free, you have to adhere to section 7702 of the Internal Revenue Code so that it's totally tax-free. That if you have a 100... $1,000 a year that you want to take an income out of a million-dollar nest egg which many people have done out of these IUL contracts without depleting principal, you want that to be totally tax-free. You have to adhere to section 7702 of the Internal Revenue Code. And so, in order to access money tax-free, you have to adhere to the third tax citation. It's called TAMRA, T-A-M-R-A. It stands for the Technical and Miscellaneous Revenue Act of 1988. It was actually passed on June 21st that year because the banks and the brokerage firms could not compete. Uh, these paid higher interest. They were safer. Uh, they were tax-free. Uh, if you happen to die, they blossom. They, they increase in value on transfer tax-free. There's not a, a bank account or a, a brokerage account that will do that. And so, uh, they wanted to slow the flow of the money that flowed into these but they didn't want to kill these. I'm talking about the banks, uh, the credit unions and the brokerage firms because this is where they invest 30 to 40% of their tier 1 assets for liquidity and safety. So, they didn't want to kill where they put some of your money. You put money in a bank, they pay you 1%. They turn it around and make 5% piece of cake uh, tax-free in uh, an insurance contract. They're making 5 times what they're paying you. Every million they borrow of OPM, other people's money, they pay 10,000 a year. They turn it around and make 50,000. So, what I'm telling people is to bypass the middleman with your money and put it directly into uh, the multi-trillion dollar legal reserve insurance industry and you can earn these rates of return. But back in 1988, uh, you could no longer put in uh, one big huge lump sum, let's say $500,000 if you wanted to. You had to spread it out over uh, four years and one day to be technical. You could put in $100,000 the first day of the first year, uh, another $100,000 the first day of the second year. You go to 4 years and one day into the 5th year, you can finally get your 500000 in and now you're grandfathered forever after to have tax-free income. This is like a 5-story uh, apartment complex or a 5-story building. If you were to build a 5-story building and uh, the IRS said, Hey... Uh, if you just rent out or fill up the first floor the first year, and then the second year, first day you can you can fill up the second floor, and then third year the third floor, and fourth year, and then the first day of the fifth year you can rent out the entire building, and all of your rental income forever after on that building will be tax free. Now, as silly as that sounds, I would do that if you do the math to have tax-free income forever after. That is a max-funded indexed universal life insurance contract. You spread out the funding in accordance with the IRS guidelines, TAMRA... And everything that you take out from uh, for, for the rest of your life, you don't have to wait till you're 59 and a half. A million dollar nest egg can generate a hundred thousand dollars a year of tax-free income if you live to be 120. This is three-dimensional wealth radio This is three-dimensional wealth radio) Put your money safely tucked in a house of bricks. Welcome back. This is Doug Andrew, 3-Dimensional Wealth Radio. If you're just joining us, in the previous segment, uh, I was talking about uh, how to uh, make sure that you can accumulate money tax-free, not tax-deferred, and then be able to uh, generate tax-free income for the rest of your life even if you live to be 120 years old. So, uh, let's continue with this discussion. And I'm going to talk in this segment about how to protect your money from market downturns. Now, uh, if you heard me, I said put your money safely tucked in a house of bricks. If your mind went to the story of the 3 little pigs, way to go. If you remember in that story, uh, there were 2 foolish pigs. One built uh, their house out of a house of straw. The other built theirs out of a house of sticks. And the smart one, the wise one, built uh, his house out of bricks. So, what am I talking about here? Money has to have a home, okay? You have to have a repository, a place uh, to uh, park or put your serious cash. Uh, And I prefer to safely tuck it in a house of bricks... Not a house of straw or sticks. Well, what's the house of straw? I would equate the stock market. uh, Mutual funds, money in a volatile market as a house of uh, straw. And so, uh, why? Because the big bad wolf. Who's the big bad wolf? Most people immediately say, the IRS. Uh, Well, could be. But... uh, The big bad wolf are the various things that happen out there out of our control. It could be pandemics. It could be earthquakes, uh, natural disasters. It could be uh, unrest, riots that uh, sort of have a domino effect that all of a sudden affect the stock market and the market uh, starts to tank. And people panic. There's all kinds of things that trigger the stock market uh, taking a nosedive. And sometimes it's temporary. And sometimes it's for several years. And this is uh, where we go into sometimes a spiral, a recession, where the market starts to go down uh, 20, 30, 40%. So, these would be periods uh, like March of uh, 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic... Uh, The market lost 30% in in that one single month. Now, when there's anxiety, there's opportunity and we had many, many uh, clients who were able to capitalize on that and actually lock uh, in or link to a one-year point-to-point with no cap is what it's called which is not a strategy we use very often except right after the market takes a huge nosedive. Why? Because the chance that the market would be up exactly one year later was highly likely. And it was it was up sixty six point three three percent, and the reason why we normally don't choose that strategy for people is because uh, they subtract five percent off of whatever uh, the the uh, return or the upside was. Uh, but you take five percent off of sixty six point three three, you're still netting sixty one point three three percent tax free. We had many clients who actually um, got sixty one point three three percent tax-free returns from March of 2020 to March of 2021. We had a client in, in the greater San Francisco Bay Area that in March of 2020, his account balance on a portion of his money was 852000 uh, By March of 2021, that was worth 1387000 He made uh, over $500,000 tax-free. The neat thing about it is if the next year the market were to crash 30 or 40%, Uh, He would have not lost one dime of the half a million he made the year before. That's another strategy called lock in and reset. Let's get back to um, the house of bricks versus the house of straw. See, from 2001 to 2003 after the 9-11 terrorist attacks, uh, people lost over a 3-year period uh, about 40%. If they had a million-dollar nest egg at the turn of the century, uh, the year 2000, they saw that million-dollar nest egg dwindle down to 600,000 over a 3-year period. That's what I'm talking about. People who had indexed universal life insurance contracts did not uh, lose a dime in that 3-year period. Uh, Most of them, uh, they didn't make anything in 2001, but they didn't lose. But in 2002 and 2003, because we rebalanced their portfolio in the IUL... They actually got credited 5% tax-free each of those 2 years. Uh, When did it go down again? In 2008. The market dropped 40% in one single year. Uh, Our clients did not lose a dime in 2008. Most of them were cheering because uh, they weren't losing. And they know that when the market goes down, they'll start making money again as soon as it turns around. And many of them locked in gains of 16% tax-free the first 90 days of 2009 after not losing a penny. So, that's what I'm talking about because their money was safely tucked over in a house of bricks. So, the house of straw is okay if the market's going up. Indexing, I'm not talking about index mutual funds. Indexing allows you to participate when the market goes up like 2009. We had many clients the first 90 days of 2009 when the market turned around after that mortgage meltdown. uh, they, They locked in gains of 16%. The first 90 days tax-free because they participated when the market went up. But did you hear me say they did not lose one dime the previous year in 2008 when the market crashed? Because their money was not invested in the market. It was safely tucked over in a house of bricks in the IUL, in an insurance company. If they had a million dollars in their IUL, which many people have that much and more, that million dollars stayed safe in the insurance company. Earning the general account portfolio rate of let's say five percent, then, if you link to an index, you're just relinquishing the interest on that million. The million has to stay safe in the insurance company in case the market loses, like it did. So, uh, if the market goes up, the insurance company takes the fifty thousand of interest and they buy upside options in let's say the S and P five hundred. So, if it goes up like it did in two thousand nine, uh, they wear with, they have the wherewithal to uh, credit you up to a cap. The cap that year was 16%. So, people on a million got credited 160,000 in a year uh, that was shortly after the crash. But during 2008, if they had linked to an index, those options would have expired worthless but they still had their million because their million was safely tucked in the house of bricks. Does that make sense? So, I keep my serious cash uh, safely tucked in a house of bricks and uh, when the stock market, the house of straw goes up, I get to participate like 2009, 2017. We had many clients who got credited 25%. So their million was worth a $1,250,000 at the end of 2017. But if the market would have crashed uh, that year, they, they would have still had their million. They wouldn't have made anything but they wouldn't have lost. Uh, so what's the house of sticks? Well, I equate that to real estate. Real estate is is a moderate risk. It still goes up and down, maybe not as volatile as the stock market. The stock market can take uh, horrible swings like uh, because of COVID-19, uh, the stock market can take a nosedive of 30% in one single month. Now, we do see real estate values that will drop sometimes 30 or 40% uh, like it did uh, in 2007 to 2008. Uh, But it normally takes several months or a year or two. And so, that's why I put it in the house of sticks. Regardless, uh, I own real estate so I get to benefit when real estate goes up. But I don't lose when real estate values go down. Why? Because I keep all of my uh, liquid cash safely tucked in a house of bricks in max funded index universal life. I take all my positive cash flow from my rental income and I put it in into the house of bricks. I keep my money in the house of bricks and I finance uh, you know eighty percent loan to value because I can borrow money at four and a half percent tax deductible. In a 33% bracket, that's a net cost of 3 and my house of bricks is earning 9. How much more is 9 than (laughs) 3? It's 3 times. It's 300% more. If that went over your head, hey, you need to come and learn how to be able to park your serious cash in a house of bricks and still participate when the house of sticks and the house of straw, the real estate market and the stock market goes up but not lose when it goes down. This is 3-dimensional wealth radio.